Welcome to the Rennie Podcast, a podcast about the real estate market and the people connected by it. We seek to empower our listeners to make informed decisions while providing context for the real estate world around them. We hope that with every episode, you become a little more knowledgeable and a lot more curious. Hello, everyone. Today, we're discussing the latest residential real estate data across the Vancouver region for March 2021. We'll focus on these three key insights, the first being the record-breaking sales count, the second being the increase in housing prices, and finally, we'll finish off with a discussion on employment here in the region. My name is Bowen Bianpazzi, Housing Analyst with the Rennie Intelligence Team for the past four years. Joining us today is Rennie Advisor Joanne Hookstra, a Rennie leader with seven years of real estate experience, specializing in Ladner, Kawasson, White Rock, and the South Surrey markets along with Ryan Berlin, Senior Economist and Director of Intelligence. So evidently, uh, we're all uh, recording remotely today. I'm in Olympic Village. Ryan, I know you're on the North Shore. Uh, Joanne, where are you? Are you, are you in Delta? I actually live in Tawasson, but today I'm in White Rock. I'm at one of our presentation centers here. And how's everything going, uh, going down in White Rock at the presentation center? White Rock is beautiful today. It's a sunny day. We have 63 homes to sell at Altus White Rock, and we're just launching here. So yeah, it's going well. Right on. Yeah, I know the um, the latest numbers came in for pre-sale for quarter one in 2021, and that market is definitely hot and, and heating up. Uh, we also, um, looking at the resale market, had one of the or the highest uh, resale count in the Vancouver region um, ever uh, at 8,895 sales. So pretty close to that 9,000 mark. I know we were kind of bantering around the third floor of the office to see if it was going to cross that threshold. It didn't, but it, it came really close. You know, Ryan, how did we kind of uh, get to this number and, and where does that chalk up, I guess, historically? Yeah, I mean, the pre-sale market, as you said, is very active at the moment and so is the resale market. So um, there's a lot of uh, buying activity right now. <clears throat> Last month, as you said, almost 9,000 resales throughout the region. And that was not only higher than the previous high we had ever seen for any month, which was back in March of 2016, but it was 700 more sales than the previous high back in March of 2016. So there were, this was a new record last month for resales in the region by a margin of 9%, which is pretty astounding on, on the one hand. On the other hand, I wouldn't say that we saw it coming per se, but it, it was clear that you know a few months into the pandemic, so through the latter half of 2020, buying activity uh, really ramped up. And there hasn't been a ton of new inventory, but the buyers are, are everywhere. I mean, we've got low interest rates. We have some accumulated household savings through the pandemic. You know, that's translated to a lot of housing market activity uh, through March. And it's not, you know, I know there's, we, we've talked about it on this podcast as well about this, um, if not a flight to bigger homes, detached homes, townhomes, a desire for more space, certainly indoors and outdoors. And so at the margin, uh, we had seen the share of sales within the region sort of tilt more towards that uh, ground oriented product for a while there. Um, but what's interesting about the March data is that it wasn't driven by a record high in detached sales. In fact, I believe detached sales were 9% below the previous high, which was in March of 2016. Instead, it was townhomes and it was condos. 
So as we see an elevated number of condo sales uh, in our market regionally, um, we're also seeing, generally speaking, more activity in the greater Vancouver uh, board area part of our region. And Joanne, I know that um, you're quite active in Tawas and Delta and South Surrey, but Tawas and Delta specifically, which are in the greater Vancouver board area. Um, have you kind of seen an increase in activity here in, in 2021? What's kind of been your uh, assessment of the market so far? Yeah, it's very busy. And just to echo Ryan's comments, um, condos are back. We've seen, you know, last year when we had condo listings, they could be sitting for months. And this year we're back now in March into multiple offers and condos in this area. So, um, yeah, a lot of interest. I mean, we're still, I'm still seeing clients um, coming out to Tawasin and Lander looking to be closer to family, to get more space. Um, there's obviously more people working at home right now. So they're looking for alternatives and a change in who they're living with, family structure, right? So they need caregivers in the home. They need to take care of parents. So there's lots of changes that this pandemic has brought on that verse I'm seeing in the business um, that is driving people to make different choices in housing types. And with respect to condos, and, and you're saying now that they're kind of back, um, you know, why do you think that is? Do you think it's uh, the outlook for vaccines coming and, and the kind of the pandemic, I guess, on the back half of the pandemic, or is it more of a, a price point um, driven kind of drive for the condo market? I see more of a price point, I would say. Like people are taking advantage of the active single family housing market. Downsizers are taking this advantage to sell their homes and you know, move into condos. Um, we're, as we start to see that price points level off a little bit, um, we may see a little bit less of that. I think another reason why we're seeing more activity in the condo market is the first-time home buyers fear of missing out. With all the action going on in the market, the low interest rates, this is a great opportunity for them to get in and they don't want to be left behind. They don't want to be the last ones renting and not able to get into the market as the prices continue to rise. And, you know, that, that, that FOMO kind of plays into to listings and inventory, right? I mean, we did see listings rise this month on a month-over-month basis by, by 9%, up to around um, 30,600 listings in, in the Vancouver region. But, you know, it, it's, it's not enough to, to compensate for the, the sales frenzy that's been occurring. You know, Ryan, I know that when we look at the long-term kind of trend for listings, we're down 27% versus the 10-year average. And when we look compared to last year, uh, down 13%. So although we saw that kind of that bump month over month in listings, it, it wasn't enough to to balance out the market. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing, um, you know, an increase in inventory or listings, uh, homes available for purchase in March compared to February. But it's something that we typically see at this time of year. And as you said, you know, the the level of demand that we're seeing in the marketplace is just really eating up any of that new supply. And so when you look throughout the region, at different areas within the region, when you look at whether it's detached or the townhome segment or the condo segment, we're looking at sellers markets across the board because, I mean, really at this point, there's no widespread reason for listings to come up. Certainly prices, and we'll talk about this a bit more in a minute, but, you know, prices have, have come up over the past year, home, home values. But that isn't a reason per se to sell because for most people who do sell, they're also looking to buy again and often in the same market. And so, you know, typically what we'll see, what will be a real impetus to expanded supply will be a weak economy, for example, 
where people, you know, the unemployment rate might rise and incomes might um, disappear or be reduced. And then people aren't able to afford uh, their mortgage payment, afford to be in the home that they're in. So they're willing to, they need to sell their home. They're willing to take uh, lower than quote unquote market value uh, for their home. And then that's when you sort of see the inventory expand. And we're just not seeing those types of economic conditions, certainly relative to the amount of supply that's out there. But even in an absolute sense, there are a lot of buyers looking for homes. And I'm sure, Joanne, this is something that you're seeing and experiencing with many of the clients that you're working with. Absolutely. And some of them are making choices to look beyond what would traditionally be their first choice in a single family home um, because of the competition, because of the pricing. So in Tawasin, for example, we've seen a huge uptake in the leasehold developments. We have a the Tawasin First Nation, which is primarily 99-year prepaid leasehold developments. There are four developers in the area, and they've all been, you know, selling out of their projects or selling very well. Um, and it's a mix of housing types, but a lot of townhomes, single-family homes uh, available there. And it, you're just getting in at a slightly lower price point as a first-time home buyer or as someone downsizing looking to put a little bit of money away. For sure. And leasehold, you know, while we're talking about that is, you know, for uh, people looking to purchase an investment property or an income property, because it's typically associated with lower values than freehold uh, properties, but it typically rents at about the same rate as a similar freehold property. Um, It might make a bit more financial sense for a potential investor than looking at the freehold segment. And I think that's going to be a really important dynamic in our market over the next couple of years because, you know, we know that over the last year that the vacancy rate in rental across the region increased quite a bit from 1.1% to 2.6%. So it more than doubled. It's still quite low, but it more than doubled. But that's largely because of the economic conditions and the fact that we had way fewer migrants over the past year than we typically have. But if you look ahead over the next few years, again, we've talked about this on this podcast in past episodes, we know that immigration nationally and to this region is going to really ramp up and we're going to need rental homes to accommodate all of the population growth. So it seems to me there's a good opportunity for some people who are looking to maybe diversify their their portfolio as well. Absolutely. I mean, in Tawasin, I don't see any difference in rents between leasehold and freehold. If you're a tenant, you don't care about what the um, land ownership is, right? So um, 100%, your return on investment and cash flow is higher for leasehold properties as an investor. And, you know, this uh, discussion surrounding leasehold versus freehold is kind of predicated on on, on price point, um, which kind of draws us into insight number two, which is that year over year increases in sold prices have been high by historical standards. So, Ryan, I was just wondering if you could elaborate a little bit on that. I know we've seen some some pretty profound price increases uh, here in March 2021. We have, and we've sort of been building over time to the situation that, you know, materialized in March. So, in you know, some sense, it's like with the increasing sales counts, it was sort of semi-predictable in a sense. Um, we've been seeing the pressure in the marketplace build, again, with the imbalance between supply and demand. So, you know, overall, what we've seen is uh, in terms of average prices in the region, we've seen a, a 17% increase 
in sold prices year over year in, into March of 2021, a 21% increase in detached prices, 17% increase in townhome prices. So that level of price increase over the long run is not sustainable because we're not seeing wealth or incomes grow by that amount. So we know that that, that can't... It, we, Prices can't continue to increase like this over the long run. And even when we look at, if we don't look at average, like the numbers I just quoted there, we look at uh, benchmark prices, which are a different measure of prices and are less volatile than average prices and less affected by very, very high sale prices or very, very low sale prices. We see a similar thing with detached prices having increased year over year by 21% into March. So, the interesting thing about that is as high as that is, and as fast as prices are currently rising, it sort of harkens back to the days of you know early 2016, right? When we had you know set previous highs in sales counts and also achieved relatively high sales prices. At that time, detached prices were increasing at their peak at 41% year over year. And townhome prices at that time were up 31% year over year. And condo prices were up 21% year over year. So we're not quite in that scenario from 2016, but prices are increasing at a, at a rate that we probably won't see continue um, throughout the year. Yeah, I mean, certainly the price increases this year seemed a bit more organic than what we were seeing in 2016. I remember picking up the kids at school and everyone was talking about the price of their home, how they were new millionaires. Um, and it was just the talk of the town, whereas now it seems like things have progressed uh, with a, a, a bit more stability, Ryan. Yeah, I think we're seeing maybe more, you know, sort of true fundamentals in play um, in, you know, the past nine months than we saw back in 2016, where I think there was maybe maybe that, you know, using that term FOMO again, that there was a little bit more of that. And this notion that, well, I'm buying an expensive home, but... Prices are going to keep going up, and I'm 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 okay with that because I think I can sell it again down the road for even more money. And so this time around, you know, I think what we're seeing is again low interest rates and and all this built up household savings. We're also not seeing a significant number of foreign buyers. Like if we look at the data na- uh, provincially for 2020, uh, only about half a percent of all residential transactions were to foreign buyers. And if we look in Metro Vancouver, it was between one and one and a half percent. So the vast majority of purchases of residential real estate uh, currently are by people who live here and who are local. I'm just wondering if you know kind of why that is, um, or has that kind of, I guess, share of foreign buyers always been low for, for our region? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, we didn't completely close the borders this year, but we did limit the number of people that came to Canada. And of course, when we talk about foreign buyers, we're not talking about immigrants. We're not talking about permanent residents. We're talking about people who either live abroad and purchase property in Canada or people who come to Canada as temporary residents and and purchase homes. And certainly, um, we've seen fewer non-permanent residents, more fewer temporary residents come to Canada and come to BC and to Metro Vancouver over the past 12 months or so. So I think that's part of it, but also the foreign buyer share of transactions provincially and regionally has been relatively low over the past three to four years. It's really just oscillated between one and 3% in any given month. So um, 
it's really it's a continuation of that trend, but it does contrast a little bit with uh, the slightly higher foreign buyer share that we saw in 2016. Joanne, I know when we were speaking beforehand, um, you'd kind of mentioned uh, a lot of your purchasers are those kind of moving around, maybe from the city, but back to Tawasin, or sometimes even uh, people who are renting previously and were kind of taking advantage of rates and getting into the, the market. So wondering if you could just maybe shed some light on, on, on those experiences over the past month. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think this is a time that everyone's thinking about their environment, the right setup for them. And uh, is this a good time to get into the markets where they want to, you know, maybe raise their kids or start their family um, before they continue to go up and up in prices? The problem is, um, it, it, let's think about Tawas and in particular, Home buyers coming in from Vancouver with a budget of 1.25 million are still purchasing a rental project now in Tawasin. It's a budget that's almost not realistic to get into the market and we're in bidding wars at that price range. So we're seeing people having to make a second step maybe in their um, long-term goals for housing and look at other options. We talked about leasehold, um, townhomes, uh, duplexes, but something in between the condo to the single family home. For sure. And if we look at the data, just going back to inventory, anything that is under a million bucks is increasingly scarce throughout the region, not just in Tawasin. Like if we look at the year over year change in the number of available homes under a million dollars, it's down by 27%, where the number of homes uh, priced at a million plus uh, is up slightly by 2%. So not a huge increase, but up nonetheless. So just the options at that lower, re- relatively lower end of the price spectrum are are becoming few and far between. Yeah. And I certainly see that even in my neighborhood, there have been, um, there has been some increase in inventory recently in single family homes, but it's at the higher end of the market. It's not at that 1 million to you know one, two range anymore. We're talking above $2 million homes. Um, so there, there's opportunity, but that's not realistic for a lot of buyers. So what you can do to get into this market is to make sure you're prepared getting a pre-approval, working closely with your broker and your lender um, throughout the offer process and also up front and working with your agent to understand what the true market value of a home is. A realtor can put any list price on um, a property, but it's understanding what realistically will this home sell for and seeing if that's affordable for you. So some fascinating insight from yourself, Joanne and and Ryan there, but let's change direction a bit with an encouraging note, our third insight, which is Metro Vancouver's labor market reached an important milestone in March. Employment returned to its pre-pandemic level and, you know, it it didn't only return. Metro Vancouver employment was actually 0.1%, so a sliver higher in March 2021 than it was in uh, February 2020, kind of pre-pandemic. Ryan, you know, what's uh, given way to to this change? Yeah, I feel like this is a news item that's really flown under the radar. Like the data, the, the latest jobs data, uh, which are for March, um, were only released last week. But I think that this is, as you said, Bo, on a really important milestone, noting that we lost about 17% of all jobs in the first few months of the pandemic. So to be back at this point now, a year later, it's a long time, but there are many forecasters who are expecting it wouldn't be till the end of 2021 until employment fully recovered. And I certainly do expect that 
you know, we might see some steps back in employment, maybe with the release of the April uh, data in a, you know, about a month from now, because we have had additional social distancing restrictions put into place. And we know that, you know, restaurants, for example, are not allowed to serve patrons indoors. But I think the trajectory is such now that we can start looking at actual growth in employment uh, rather than talking about a recovery as we go ahead. All that said, I think it's important to recognize that the unemployment rate in this region is still quite elevated versus uh, what we were seeing before the pandemic. So the unemployment rate today in Metro Vancouver is 7.5% going into the pandemic. It was about 4.5%. So there's quite a difference there. And there's the if we look at the number of people that are unemployed, so actively looking for work and who can't find work, those the people in those cat in that category are up in number by 71% versus the pre-pandemic level. So there's still some additional labor market adjustments that need to take place, but we're in much better shape than, for example, Montreal, uh, which is still employment there is 2% below the pre-pandemic level. And in Toronto, it's 4% below. So, um, you know, there's, there's, it's generally good news. And I think this is, again, this is something going forward that's going to support our housing market and certainly add more buyers into the mix within our housing market. And that combined with low interest rates is, is going to see the market remain active, even if interest rates might start to creep up through the balance of the year. Yeah, it's just another reason why buyers should be out there getting their pre-approvals in place with great employment records. That's easier to do. And again, it allows you to take advantage of the rates that are available now, right? Lock something in and um, get yourself pre-approved. So Joanne, you, you, you mentioned getting pre-approved. Do you kind of have any final tips for, for our listeners today? Of course. Um, in this competitive market, there is so much discussion around the risks of subject-free offers. So aside from getting pre-approved, there are other ways you can and should mitigate your risks if possible. The second one, it would be to review all the property information available on a home. So that means going with your agent down to City Hall, pulling permits, um, you know, getting all the information from land titles about a single family home. For a condo, it means spending quite a bit of time reading strata documents and minutes and all of the information available on a building before you put an offer in. And for a pre-sale, it means taking a look at that developer disclosure document, which could be up to 500 pages at times, but read it through and understand um, the product completely. So that's very important to mitigate your risk. Um, another third point would be to have a relationship with your insurance broker. So help them help you understand what the risk is for a particular building and what the potential cost of insuring that risk is to you. And finally, if there's time, which there usually is over a weekend of, of showings, get in and do a pre-offer inspection. So get in with your agent, get set up with an inspector and get that done. So you understand a little bit more about the product that you're buying. This is a huge investment and it's important to get as much information as you can up front. I do quite a bit of referral work for other agents, uh, Rennie and, and outside, and I'm pretty careful to be very thorough in what I do. So all of these points help me mitigate the risks and they're what I use and um, what I would suggest for home buyers. So a great number of tips for our listeners to round out today's podcast. To recap, uh, we covered the record high sales counts for our region, the historical high price increases, uh, and employment reaching its pre-pandemic level here in Metro Vancouver. 
To dig deeper into the data, be sure to check out our latest Rennie review and other intelligence information on rennie.com intelligence. To be the first to receive this information straight to your inbox, register for intelligence updates. Joanne, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. And what would be the best way for our listeners to, to connect with you? Just log on to ready.com slash Joanne Hoekstra and all of my information is there. Perfect. Ryan, as always, thank you. I'm sure I'll be seeing you tomorrow morning. Sounds good, Bowen. Thank you. And thanks, Joanne. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, all resources mentioned in the episode can be found on rennie.com.